0: Welcome the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They are a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower-Henny.
1: So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about Immigration 101, a.k.a. Immigration for Dummies? Yeah, a.k.a. Immigration 360 50,000 foot view all of that all of that many numbers yes so Deanna Pina is here with me today hi this is so great Um, Deanna Pina is one of our attorneys at Hightower Ref Law practicing in immigration yes which is like a new area of the law for me and it's really been fun to like learn and watch and listen to all of this so I'm excited also to learn more about it on today's podcast yes so Also, our office is going on a retreat. Tomorrow. Yeah. And Less than twenty-four hours away, twelve isn't hours away. Just a retreat, like we're going to Vegas. To Vegas. So it's literally like it's four o'clock in our office right now, and we're going to Vegas. So like this is a really good time to do this podcast because basically no one's working today.
0: Yeah, it's like party mode. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: There's also donuts sitting on the table, and at four o'clock, I'm probably gonna have another one.
0: At least, yeah. Yes, I want a chocolate one if there's any left.
1: I yeah, I think there's there's more chocolate. <laughs> uh, yep, there's yep. Look at that, and there's a blueberry one. I decided to have a bite of that because you know it has fruit in it it to make you feel me. better but it doesn't taste healthy at all
0: no it, which is good but it's good though yeah yeah that's why it's good
1: you are a goody person
0: I love sugar yeah I love every form of sugar
1: so both um candy and chocolate
0: candy cake cake is my favorite food in general if something is in cake format
1: I will consume it um I just which is sugar. basically what a donut is
0: yeah it's a small cake
1: um, because most people are either like chocolate or sugary stuff. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, or like like sour. Yeah. No, I'm. All candy is welcome to make its way to me.
1: And I think you're in a good home at this office. Because there seems to be candy all over. There
0: is always a delicious treat like always i will routinely go to like starbucks and get like a little pound cake for the morning and then i walk in and oh there's you know (laughs) banana bread that somebody made that's full of chocolate chips and i say cool (laughs) like okay but
1: i think the true test for me personally is do you like rice krispie treats yeah they're fine oh but you made like a scrunchy face like i like better stuff than that no i like (laughs) them they're not the first thing that
0: i reach for yeah but i
1: do enjoy them but if that's the only thing here
0: i literally ate a whole roll of mentos yesterday because it was near me and it was candy adjacent and i ate the entire now i'm
1: scrunching my face because that (laughs) doesn't even sound good i felt very fresh and frankly those were in the vegas emergency pack yeah i've already eaten everything that's edible really yeah absolutely all the gum gone the mentos gone oh my goodness (laughs) okay So we're going to Vegas. We'll report back in later podcasts about whether that was a good idea or a bad idea (laughs) to take our office to Vegas. But we did just moments ago have a poker lesson. Yes, I learned how to play poker today.
0: Um, I am not good at it, but I like watching it. You might not play
1: with real dollars.
0: I will probably, no, I'll play with quarters
1: you probably won't play with real money yeah (laughs) pennies you'll sit back and watch and be like tracy what did you just do and i'm like shut up deanna you can't talk to me i can't tell you what's happening i made a lot of bets
0: because i wanted to see how the game ended not because i had a good hand oh yes that's not like a great strategy no don't do that apparently
1: yeah i don't know don't keep putting money out if you have bad cards (laughs) yeah
0: life lesson
1: yeah life lesson also that segues into immigration because wow what a tough area of the law yeah money and cards that's immigration yeah totally (laughs) that's immigration 100 percent. well and like on that note too there's so many pieces of immigration that are like definitions and like hot button words and things like that so like i want to know about all those things because you know i've been a lawyer for 13 years and I don't even know these things and I keep learning these things all the time. So. Yeah,
0: for sure. So um, kind of where I like to start with things is that um, immigration is extremely hard um, for everyone, um, especially for attorneys. So if you do not practice immigration law normally, do not attempt to ever in your life. Um, right. And if you are looking for help, make sure you speak to a immigration attorney. Um, but so, you know, some kind of things that I find myself educating people on, in a, hopefully a polite and kind and generous way um, is that you know for example the term illegal is super offensive Um, it's not it is technically an immigration violation to be here without proper paperwork but you're not a criminal in the sense that like you stab someone in the face you know you're just here without the right documents you yourself as a human being are not illegal you know what I'm saying Yes. so that's kind of you know what I find myself correcting people a lot on hopefully like I said with Kindness, but um, let me think. People ask me a lot about um, asylum. So um, asylum is a process where you appear at the border of a country. Usually here the United States, it's most of the time our southern border. Um, and you ask for protection based because you're experiencing persecution based on um, a limited list of factors. So that can include religion, that can include race, um, all kinds of things that go into that.
1: So I, w- when I hear asylum and that picture is painted in my mind, I'm like picturing someone literally at the border, like with the borderline at their feet. Yeah. And they're like knocking on a door. Like how does this happen? Is it like you go into a border
0: office? Yeah, so the literal only way that you can ask for asylum is by asking for it at the border. You can't petition for it outside of the country. You Who's there? so there are usually immigration officers there's specific ones so at the border most of people who are down there are um, it's all kind of under the homeland security umbrella so that's kind of who um, customs and border patrol kind is controlling but there's also asylum officers that are stationed there who will interview you and decide they will give you an interview based on you know to determine what you're experiencing and whether that meets our legal definition of asylum and if they believe that to be more likely true than not true, they let you in and let you process your case through the immigration court system in the United States.
1: Okay, so it's not just like Joe Schmo sitting there with his feet up on. The yeah, desk, I mean, allegedly coffee. they're trained. Um, oh, okay. So it might confidence. be Joe Schmo. <laughs> who knows? But yeah. yeah,
0: they're they're officers who are trained by um, one of our immigration branches. Um, in the federal government.
1: But and I think what a lot of people think about asylum is that like everyone's coming at the border and asking for asylum. Is that true? So it's the only way that you can ask
0: for it. So there's all this political on on every side of people, you know, showing people at the border, begging for help, you know, looking all kinds of ways. But the way that our law is, the only possible way that you can ask for it is by doing so at the border. So um, that's why everyone's doing it that way. Right. But that's why a large amount
1: of people are doing it that way. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what we see on TV sometimes is asylum seekers. Yeah.
0: And, you know, like you can be seeking, you know, protection based on all kinds of reasons. Like maybe you are gay and you're from a country where, you know, for example, a common one is Kenya, where you um, could be killed, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in. Yeah. things like that. So or
1: Kentucky. Or, or Kentucky. Oh wait, that's in our country. <gasps> or Nebraska, oh, what? um <laughs> Oh, and, and, and for listeners, sometimes making light of very difficult subjects is helpful for a Oh
0: yeah, we have to. It's yeah. laughter through tears. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, so tell us about like, a typical immigration case. How does it start and like how, like what's this set of facts that you hear?
0: Yeah, so I mean, it can be anything so there are a lot of reasons that someone would want to come to this country so either um, you know you're need to come here for humanitarian aid like you're seeking you know freedom from persecution like asylum or refugee status um, you can also just want to come here because your husband is from here and you want, you're married to him and you want the ability to live here permanently as, but you, you know, have to wait 90 days depend that's a certain visa that's 90 day fiance
1: is that Bravo or TLC? I don't know. need a Fiance. I don't know.
0: But that's a K visa, if anyone cares. Um, the,
1: <laughs> the letter K. Yeah. yeah. Do they use the alphabet for all the visas?
0: Yeah. Like, for example, the S visa is used for people who um, could potentially be like an informant to the government. So we call it the snitch visa, like S for oh. snitch. You know?
1: But what does the S actually stand for? Nothing? It, nothing. Oh. So
0: it's all like all of this immigration terminology and all the law is in like a code like in a book and so the letters are based on like the like the code section
1: got it yeah so it's like naming hurricanes
0: yeah but like less interesting because it's the stupid alphabet instead of
1: like right Gloria right (laughs) got it or Henri Henri. I was like no 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 that says Henry I think (laughs) they, they keep saying Henri Henri but okay, so okay, so
0: oh yeah, so yeah, there's a ton of different reasons why you'd want to come here. So, um, for me, and at least if you are if you practice immigration law in Nebraska, most of what you're going to experience are people who came here for work to seek work of some kind of way. We have a lot of um, farm work that's available. We have a lot of factory work that's available um, that people are able to do. Um, so a lot of times it's someone who's here and they just want to figure out how to be able to stay here permanently or for a long period of time legally. So um, my, w- most of what I do is family-based immigration. So if you, you know, are married to a U.S. citizen or um, someone with a green card, they're also called a permanent resident, um, you know, and you want to be able to become a resident as well through that relationship. Um, if you're someone who's 21 years old and, or older who wants to apply for your parents, you can do that, um, things like that. Got it. Yeah. So the person would come in and, you know, most of what I there's a lot of different roadblocks that make it so that you can't change your status or get papers to stay here. Um, And a lot of those include criminal convictions, um, something as simple as, you know, if you came here without a visa in the first place, then odds are if you leave you're going to be banned for 10 years from ever coming back because you've been here without papers for too long and you didn't come in with a quote quote lawful entry there's a lot of little roadblocks a lot of like tiny little potholes that you could trip over so i try to screen for those right off the bat like Do you have criminal history anywhere in the United States? Because immigration is federal, so anything you do in any state will follow you. You know, we have to do FBI background checks on all our clients, for example, Um, things like that. So, yeah, I ask about criminal history. I ask about family relationships, um, fear of returning to their home country. And then based on kind of those factors, it kind of puts you in different areas of immigration. Like, okay, they need humanitarian aid or they are able to come here because their brother is a citizen or things like that. And then there's a whole all these forms you can do. So
1: someone's calling you and saying, hey, I want to be able to stay here longer. And you're doing the interview to see could they apply for a certain letter of the alphabet visa? Yeah,
0: or like a green card or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And so how often are you able to help someone?
0: So because there are all these roadblocks, um, a lot of times the answer is right now there's nothing. Because the law, as it is written and as it was created, it, it was made to be we're going to keep everyone out and only let a few people in instead of everyone can come in except these few people. It's like a very important distinction. So the majority of the law is saying you can't come in if you have this, 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 and this. So, um, you know, for example, like what I was talking about a little bit earlier with the legal entry thing, um, that is the thing that trips up a lot of families because if you came here without... A visa, without being allowed to come in at the border or through customs, or what, however way you came here. If you came here without legally doing so, you um, have to go back to your home country to interview at your consulate and then come back. But the second that you step foot out of the country, you won't be allowed to come back for ten years or more because you were here without papers. So a lot of, unless you qualify for a very specific um, waiver of that issue. So, you know, a lot of times people don't meet those qualifications because they're not married to the right type of person or meaning um citizen or resident or things like that so then they need to get divorced from that person and find the right person <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I, we can help with I I have this like it's wildly unethical and we would never do it but I have this fantasy of creating like a dating app for our divorced clients and my immigration clients so they could meet but we would never do
1: that And, do, it's and not then, ethical and then we have our own 90 day fiance podcast series yeah <laughs> Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, Council for discipline. We're not doing that. We are never doing it's just that. Just a fantasy. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, on that note, though, that kind of brings up something that's always a question that we get often. Is like, I'm not a citizen. Can I ask for a divorce? I'm not a citizen. Can I ask for a protection order? Yeah. I'm not a citizen. Can I, you know, file a probate matter? Yeah. And we're often reminding people, like, you still have access to the court system when you're living here. No one's asking if you're a citizen when you're filing for divorce. Yeah, that's one of the um, things that,
0: you know, immigration attorneys have really fought for um, in past cases in front of the Supreme Court and things like that. Because, you know, just because you don't have papers doesn't mean you're not owed due process. Um, You shouldn't be forced to be married to someone just because you don't have the right identification card you know right so yeah i get that a lot i mean we just had a referral yesterday for someone who was injured while at work and he wasn't sure if he would be able to um file a claim and get workers compensation because he doesn't have you know necessarily a green card or something to that effect and the answer is like yeah you can because you were hurt at work like just because you don't have the right you know little id card in your wallet doesn't mean that you should have to pay for all your bills doesn't mean you should have to suffer for the rest of your life
1: and I think, um, j- like from my small experience at the South Omaha Legal Clinic too, and like speaking with Spanish-speaking only Spanish-speaking people, um, it's very terrifying. Like to not only yes. be in a country where the the main language is English and no one wants to learn any other language, right? Mm-hmm. And that is your language, that is your way to communicate, is only in Spanish. Yeah. And then you put on top of that that you have a legal matter, right? And then you put on top of that that you're probably not a citizen mm-hmm. in that situation, and you're like super terrified that I'm going to set foot in court and ICE is going to arrest me. Oh, yeah. Or people are, I even, you know,
0: encounter people who are scared to even make an appointment with me because, um, you know, I had someone, I did a consultation with somebody who they had had an immigration attorney in the past and they were afraid to ask for their file because they were scared that that attorney would like report them to ICE for leaving them. You know, you have all these fears of... When you, when your life is so every single aspect of your life is dependent on your immigration status. Like if you don't have a social security number, you can't have a bank account, you know, which means you can't have a credit card, which means you don't have credit, which means you can't apply for a car like there's all kinds of it just yes. snowballs all the time. So, you know, there's a lot of fear and it's it's not a lifestyle that anyone would do for fun. Like no one is here or at least in my experience, no one is maliciously intentionally. Yeah, no one no one's here without Proper documents because they thought it would be like a cute little trip, you know. Right? Like, it's and then always, like, oops,
1: they stayed longer. <laughs> oh they missed no, their last flight. <laughs> so I guess I'll stay here forever. Yeah.
0: Most most of the time, it's for need. At least that's what we see here. Is that a lot of people who are here are here for economic need or for
1: um, because they are afraid to return to their country. Right. So another. F- Phrase that I think falls into this like 50,000 foot view of immigration is DACA. Mm -hmm. So, like, what does that mean when we hear that? Yeah, so um, DACA stands for Deferred Action
0: for Childhood Arrivals. And that was a program that was created um, under the Obama administration in a method that was not like the best way, which is why we keep hearing about it in the news, why the Supreme Court is constantly like, yeah, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Yeah, it's okay. Like, why we're Yeah. ping-ponged back and forth about it. Um, so DACA is only available to a very, very, very select group of people who were brought here before a certain age and have lived here since, I don't know off the top of my head, I want to say 2007, a certain date in 2007. And you can prove that you've never left the country since. You have to show that you don't have any criminal, serious criminal history. Um, you have to show that you... Either went to high school or um, have a GED or enrolled in a GED or high school program, um, things like that. But it allows people to, it's not like a visa. It's not saying you have permission to be here. What DACA is, is the government saying, you, we're not going to kick you out. Like, it's not saying you're allowed to be here, it's saying, we know that you're here and we're not going to do anything about
1: it. But we want to keep tabs on you. But we want to watch you, oh, so to speak. Gross. But,
0: you know, like anything immigration, you, you you never you have to submit paperwork to the government. So. Right.
1: You know. Is that so when we hear dreamers, is that DACA?
0: Yeah. Like so. Um, I want to say it was the Dream Act. I know right now there's like the Dream and Promise Act. There's so though all this came about because. Technically, and this is like a really legal conversation, so interrupt me. And we are in excuse a laughing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we are
1: doing a legal <laughs> podcast. If you didn't know, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of
0: immigration law is technically supposed to be made by Congress. Congress has been delegated the authority to. This determine isn't a legal topic. This is fifth grade government. You know, if you're fr- if you're from Texas like me, you didn't have a very good government lesson. <laughs> uh,
1: well. Public school. You're going into separation Uh, of powers.
0: You know, there's all the branches, right? So, like, immigration is supposed to be controlled by the legislative branch. But because they never act, um, which I think is something all sides of every aisle can agree on, um, what has happened instead is that the executive branch has had to start creating a lot of immigration rules because technically the executive, meaning the president and his, you know, agencies, um have power over the border. So they use that as like a reasoning to be able to make law about immigration. So all of this is to say, Congress didn't do you know, what was necessary to make DACA law in the legislative way, so President Obama made it an executive order, which is why we're going through all this craziness right now. It's like, was that constitutional, was it not? You know, All that delicious legal argument stuff.
1: So So it is now taking that long from President Obama to get to the Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, and they're supposed to be deciding on that soon. Um, about whether it's constitutional, meaning right. you know, ten whether years it can stay. yeah, 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 which
1: is what happens in our lovely judicial branch, which is the third branch, which of is the government third branch. Wow, we got all three branches. Fifth grade <laughs> might be fourth grade. I don't gold know. gold star. Yes, <laughs> I don't think the general public remembers those three branches. I
0: mean, you know, this is like maybe not so great to hear, but you know, I didn't learn about how a bill gets made until I was in law school. Right, you know, like there's so many. I didn't even know how much And then you came to Nebraska
1: where there's a unicameral and then it it all messed up in your head. I
0: (laughs) love the unicameral. Yeah. Because it forces you to work with all kinds of people. Yes. You you don't get the option to just be like, well, I'm this thing, so I don't want to talk to you. Like, You have to talk to everyone, which I think is really,
1: really unique and special about Nebraska. yeah. So to, okay. So back to I want to go back to the question of like, what's the timeline of an immigration case? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to the client. Let's say that client sure. is is someone who can get some help. You can help them. Yeah. So what are you doing then? So first I cry. No, um, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, so.
0: Oh yeah, you're crying happy tears. <laughs> I'm constantly crying some kind of tear. Um so what happens then is, you know, we we make a plan about this is what I think you should do, um, you know, based on my experience and my knowledge. You know, of course, they sign a contract and then we get started on the case. So, you know, a lot of immigration work depends on what you're asking for and what country you're from. So, for example, if you are a US citizen and you peti- are trying to petition um for your sibling to come here and live here, you know, as a permanent resident with a green card, they are processing petitions from Mexico. They're still stuck in, I think, 1998. So when people say things like, why don't you just come here the right way? It's like, because it takes 30 years sometimes. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I filed I'm a 30 years I'm really ago. doing my best. And this is some someone that no. we talked to at the, oh, I, someone I talked to at the clinic last week um, where... You know, he said, I've had a petition in process to bring my brother here since the 90s. And he shows us these, like, really old weathered papers like that have
1: Typewriter. Been,
0: yeah, that have been toted from house to house, you know, like state to state, city to city. And he's like, What's going on? Like, what, you know, is. What did I do wrong? And
1: you're like, Hold on, I'm going to call the federal government. Right 100 cell phone. Yeah, 100
0: Fed, you know? So, you know, we, we have ways of. The Department of State puts out. Um, every month kind of like a chart of where they're at date-wise on what type of petition. There's all these categories, there's all these spreadsheets, all these letters and craziness, but we divine our way through that and we were able to figure out, you know, well, it's because you're from Mexico and they're processing, um, I believe, May of 1998 oh and God. your petition is, you know, April of 1999, so maybe in five more years your brother can wow. come here. Like, there's just, there is a... Only so many visas are allotted for each category per year. And so, you know, for, because so many people from Mexico are applying for those visas, they get eaten up super quickly and that's why. Is there a lottery so for
1: visas? Do I hear that sometimes? Yeah,
0: there's a lottery that you can, you know, apply for the di- 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 br- diversity <laughs> visa lottery exists. Um, but that, there's only so many diversity visas issued, you know. Wow. So um, that can help you skip the line but, um, you know, you have to get picked.
1: Wow. So, so okay, you, well wait, and now I really want to ask this question. So yeah. if a non-citizen plays the Powerball and wins, can they <laughs> get the can money? Get the, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it do it you would have depend to be a on the contract.
0: They depend on the contract of the, the... On the back
1: of the ticket. What's that thing? Yeah, the, the ticket. Boleto. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Spanish for ticket. <laughs> Yes. I think I have one in my purse, so I'll go okay, read it. Okay, we're going to go look at it. Yeah. And next
0: podcast will report
1: That'd That would be the better lottery to win than the immigration lottery I don't know I mean I, or you give it, it to help. someone else to get the money and then hopefully give it to you well there
0: is you know kind of interesting there's an investor visa which I don't remember the number of or the letter of it right now but there's an investor visa for if you can invest some you know over a million dollars into America oh, so you need
1: to win the Powerball so if you and win then the freaking yes. Powerball
0: and you can jump over all the other hoops of well you weren't here with papers the first time and blah 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 then maybe you could get
1: an investor visa wow yeah. Okay, that that was really, <laughs> I was curious about that. Okay, so you file something in court, oh, yeah. and then when, do you have a so, hearing, like, the so next day?
0: Yeah, so most of immigration is done by paperwork. It's not done in court. On a typewriter. So, okay. On a typewriter, Still, in a dark carbon room. Carbon copy One typewriter. light bulb. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you joke, but, like, you have to make three copies of everything, and sometimes it's a 500-page application, and you're, like my hands are so tired from stapling, like give me a break, you know. Um, but so depending on what you're asking for, a lot of immigration is done just by paperwork. So you you know, compile all the documents necessary, you, you hope that you have the right forms and you've done them correctly and you've made sure to check every single little tiny stumbling block that you could have possibly checked. And then you send it off to whatever agency, um, usually USCIS, sometimes it can be the consulate, sometimes it can be one here in the United States. Um, you would only really ever get, and then you wait. Sometimes you have an interview, then you wait, you know, you keep waiting, and then hopefully a green card comes in the mail, right? Oh, um, it just shows up in the mail. Or a visa, or yeah, maybe you have to go to your consulate and get a stamp. It, it really just depends on what you're asking for. Yeah. Um, you would only be kind of, quote, quote, hauled into immigration court if, um, you know, if ICE finds you in some sort of way. So, what is most common for that is if, if you've been charged with any kind of crime. That then you while your criminal um, case is in process, ICE has reported you. You know they found out the police have found out that you don't have a paper, proper paperwork or whatever because they have to book you. You know when you get arrested. They report that to ICE, and then ICE reports um, the case to the immigration court, and then it kind of goes through there. So that's a really common way. Another common way is, like we were talking about asylum earlier, a lot of ways that that gets processed is through the immigration court as well. So they process you at the border, and then they release you to whatever state that maybe you have an uncle that lives in Nebraska. So they release you to your uncle here in Nebraska, and then your case is here now. And then
1: you come to me. So all of this happens, and in our... Traditional criminal defense world, we know about speedy trial. Yeah. So, are you having a speedy trial?
0: So, if you are not a citizen, the majority of the Constitution does not apply to you. Right. So, you get like 30% of due process, which is
1: even has, that much?
0: Yeah. I'm like, it's super cool. We get like more than four. You know, so like. So, you have no right to a speedy trial. <laughs> so, depending on your situation, if you are detained, meaning that you committed some kind of crime that. Based on immigration law as it exists, means that you can't be released from ICE custody because you're either a danger to the community or you're a flight risk, meaning you would like escape to another country and never come back. Um, Just go back to your
1: own home country, right? Yeah, Yeah. like or
0: I don't know, Canada or, you know, whatever. Um, So if you are still detained, Some people call it like the rocket docket that you your case has to be processed within normally 60 days Um, You know, there are extensions for that. There are reasons that that doesn't happen all the time Um, You hear about people being detained for years and years and years because maybe their country won't accept them um, Things like that. But yeah, so it's a lot faster if you are in detention because a lot of these people Like for example, Nebraska doesn't have an immigration detention center. So people you can be um, found for an immigration violation and s- housed with actual criminals in jail. And that can be really hard for people, really scary. I mean, not that everyone in jail is a criminal, you know, allegedly, right? But, you know, we've I have, have had clients who, you know, they're like a 45-year-old mom and they've never been in trouble before and they were pulled over for a traffic infraction and now they're in jail with people who are airy in some way you know yeah. and so and they, they have to be there with these people there's nowhere else that they can stay so I have to
1: wait for for, a long for time. who knows yeah so I think um you know immigration in general is so in depth that like yeah obviously talking about all of the ins and outs of it will take 25 podcast episodes right years but like <laughs> this real this overview I think gives me the takeaway, you know, not knowing this area of the law, that, like, you have to have patience both as the lawyer and the client. Yeah, and that's really hard. I mean, yeah. especially
0: if you, you know, you're asking for your daughter to come here and you're like, that's my kid, you know, what do I do? Or You know what well, I mean? Well,
1: and as the lawyer, too, I mean, I don't think many immigration lawyers do immigration law and don't care about it. You have to.
0: I mean, if if you're doing it without caring about the clients and without caring about, I don't know, like,
1: justice, then... You shouldn't be doing it. You're, yeah, you're probably not doing immigration work. Yeah, and you're not you're, doing it right or you're not doing it well. You're doing tax work and yeah, you should go cubicle work for the IRS. Yeah. (laughs) So and then I think the other thing that's really important that I heard, too, is it's not just any lawyer that can help you. Like the immigration laws are changing almost daily. Every single day. Yeah. And to be updating yourself is a job. And so anyone that's interested in immigration work really has to you have to go with an attorney that knows immigration law.
0: Yeah. So something that's really common that we hear about or that I've heard about is that there are people who. Our legal assistants or notaries who are practicing immigration law because they're thinking, oh, it's just filling out forms, and it's it's not. It's <laughs> it's really, really, really not just that. And so, a lot of people end up getting deported because they're working with people who are not immigration attorneys who don't yes. know what they're doing. Yes, or um, you know, I've heard stories about law firms who think they don't do any immigration law and they think that they're doing someone a favor by taking on their immigration case and that's when I report them to the bar because it's not ethical because they're gonna get someone deported because they don't know that they need to know X, Y, and Z. They don't even know where to look, you know, so.
1: It's not like the business lawyer who does a divorce for their business client and like, "Mm, well, maybe they messed up the child support calculator. It's like literally life or death. It's life and
0: death in a lot of circumstances, Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you're on our team because I think really at High Tower Rough Law, like we actually love caring about our clients and yes. and already since you've been here in a short amount of time, the overlap that we're able to help our clients with like three different areas of the law is so great to be able to say like, Hey Deanna's right next door or Tasha's right next door, I'm gonna talk to her and I'll call you back. You yeah,
0: know? I mean it's already happened before, you know, one of our divorce clients could have potentially had a criminal situation that could have become an immigration situation, and I got to get looped in on that and figure out, you know, is this crime one that's gonna be bad for immigration purposes, so.
1: Yeah. So thank you for educating me today. Um, I know I learned a lot, and we will, You know, go in depth more on immigration in the future. Yeah, call me anytime. (laughs) 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 Woohoo! Oh, and the donut box is speaking to me.
0: Oh my god, it looks delicious. There's
1: chocolate ones in there. Is that what you said? I'm getting one. Yes,
0: I'm getting one.
1: And the the super healthy, not healthy blueberry one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com.
1: We'll see you next week.